I love uh, my Aunt Harriet. She is my, uh, my mom's, my mother's oldest, oldest sister. Um, she's, she's my only aunt on that, on that side of the family. And uh, uh, my aunt, she's, uh, she was trained uh, as an administrative assistant, able to type and Lord gifted her with the ability to type and to organize and to um, have um, and was and can can make relationships do, do make relationships have relationships really really well and build relationships really really well. And so she spent a, a career um, being administrative assistant to, at a number of different companies. But but perhaps her 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 best position was uh, with uh, the um, International Olympic Committee. Uh, so when the Olympics came here to Atlanta in 1996, she uh, helped um, in that whole process as an administrative assistant to one of the, the top executives who was helping to put on the Olympics here in Atlanta. She uh, was super successful in that role and actually even got to carry the torch <laughs> um, in, in, in one of the, the, the Olympics after that. Um, uh, my Aunt Harriet um, saw her role um, as a blessing. She saw it as a gift that the Lord granted to her, and she wanted to use that role to be a blessing to others. Many of you may not know, um, before I went into the ministry, I um, worked for a sport and event marketing agency. My major was sports management. And um, Sports management is one of those, those professions where there are, um, um, it's not necessarily what you know, but who you know. <laughs> so as coming out of college, actually in college studying, um, I needed to have an internship. So I went to my Aunt Harriet. <laughs> and my Aunt Harriet um, sent out my resume to a number of people that she knew that she had had and built relationships with. And lo and behold, I got a call. And because of my, my and Harriet's relationship with uh, an executive at another company, I was able to get an interview and to get a job. My and Harriet continued to use her influence, her position um, as a blessing to others. She was always doing for others. She saw her role as a blessing in order that she might bless others. Brothers and sisters, when God sends people to a place or points them to a position, he always sends them there to be a blessing. We may not know or fully understand the intricacies of his plan, but we know the end goal. God's servants bring peace and wholeness and ultimately salvation wherever they are. I want you to think about that for a moment, that wherever God has you this morning, he has you there so that you might be a blessing. That, that where you are, wherever you are, the Lord has you there so that things might be better. They, that your, your presence might bring peace and and comfort, and joy. You are there in that place to be a blessing. I think about Nehemiah 
the cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. He, he saw his position, his, his status, his status as cupbearer. He saw it um, as, as a blessing, and he was to be a blessing. And so that when the, the wall in Jerusalem needed to be rebuilt, he, he, he used his influence, he used his position to be a blessing to his fellow brothers and sisters, to his countrymen, so that they could rebuild the wall. I think about King, uh, Queen, excuse me, Queen Esther, who was queen to the king. And when there was a plot to, to kill off all of her people, she used her position and her influence and, and, and her, her blessing to be a blessing to her people, to bring salvation to the people of Israel. Esther saw her role as a blessing, to be a blessing. Joseph, Joseph, as we've been studying his life, Joseph was appointed to be a blessing. That was God's plan. It was his plan from the very beginning. You remember when we, when we first visited Joseph in his uh, dreams, when we, when we came and started studying the life of Joseph, God had visited him in his dreams as a young boy, and we learned that God had already had a plan in place. That's true. What we have in, in Scripture as we read is, is God's unfolding plan. And throughout our study, we have gotten glimpses or, or pointers, if you will, to this, to this grand plan, this grand overall plan that God has is working out. And throughout our study through the life of Joseph, what we've been doing is we've been connecting the dots between, between Joseph and, and, and Jesus. And this morning, we connect another dot. And we see how Joseph was sent to Egypt to fulfill God's plan of blessing. To fulfill his plan of blessing. Joseph, we see first off that he was a blessing to his family. Joseph's family, Joseph's family is now in Egypt, and they are, they are fully, fully and abundantly supplied. Verses 11 and 12 says, then Joseph settled his father and brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. Joseph also provided his father and his brothers and all his father's household with food according to the number of their children. There was no lack for Joseph's family as they settled in the land of Goshen. As we learned last week, they were experiencing this, this wonderful kindness, this wonderful blessing, this wonderful favor because Joseph had, had, had won favor with Pharaoh. Food, land, cattle, all this abundance. And remember, they are experiencing this abundance in the midst of a famine. But, but this is the reason Joseph was sent. He was sent into Egypt to preserve his family and to be a blessing to them. 
That is what Joseph tells his brothers in Genesis 45, 6 and 7, when, this, when he finally reveals himself to his brothers and he lets them know that he is Joseph, the one that they sold into slavery, he then says this, for the famine has been in the land these two years and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on this earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. <laughs> Their abundance, this blessing, this, this um, land and cattle, grain, during a severe famine was all according to the plan and the purpose of God. Through his servant Joseph, God was going to bless his people. You know, you know one of the ways we like to encourage people when something bad happens, right, when they they lose a job, they lose a, a loved one. Something bad happens. We, we want to encourage people by saying to them, this is all part of God's plan. Don't be discouraged. Don't worry. This is God working out his, his plan for your life. And that's right. We should say that. that. That is good theology. That's Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good for those who are called according to the purposes of God, right? We know this is good theology. Here's my question. Shouldn't we be just as quick to say the same thing when something good happens? This is the plan of God for your, for your life. It is, a, it is a plan he is unfolding. God is sovereign, right? He is, he is sovereign over, he is over the good and the, the bad, right? Well, when good comes our way or our neighbor's way, we can assuredly say, what has happened to you, what has happened to me, is according to the plan of God. God brings Jacob and his family down to Egypt because he has an ultimate plan for them. It was the plan, the covenant he made with Abraham. Remember back in Genesis 12, 2 and 3? God establishes a covenant with Abraham. He says this, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This was the covenant that God had made with his people. So this blessing that, 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 that Jacob and his family are experiencing was according to the plan of God. 
And, and God just didn't give this plan or make this covenant with Abraham alone. He made it with his son, Isaac. And Isaac receives the plan in Genesis 26 and 4. He says to Isaac, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give them lands, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. But the the covenant, the plan, didn't just come to Abraham, and it didn't just come to Isaac, it also came to Jacob. Genesis 35 and 11 He said, and God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. You you see, this was all part of God's plan. He was going to make Israel, Jacob, and his descendants into a great nation so that they might be a blessing. But if they were going to become a great and mighty nation, God was going to have to preserve them. You do remember that they go down into Egypt only about 70 strong. Not, that's not much of a mighty nation. That doesn't sound like the promise that he had made to his people before them, that he would be uh, um, uh, the father to multiple nations. Is God going to bring them down into Egypt only to be killed off by the famine? Of course not. Of course not. God had a plan and his abundant provision in the midst of the famine for Jacob and his descendants was included in that plan. He was going to preserve them through his servant, Jacob. Brothers and sisters, when God makes a promise, he brings about all the means to accomplish it. If you were to ask any of our children that come to Bible study on Wednesday night, if you were to ask them what we have been studying over the the last several weeks, um, they would quickly tell you that we have been studying the promises of God. Looking, we've been in the scriptures kind of looking at all the promises that God has made to his people and how those promises come true and how they are fulfilled in him. And, and it was so sweet one Wednesday night as, as Pastor Tony was up there waxing eloquent to the, to the, to the little ones, right? They, they broke out in song spontaneously. They broke out in song. And you know what song they sung? It was the song that they learned in the Christmas play. God always keeps his promise. Each one, however big or small. Never once has he forgotten. You can trust the promise of God. You want to talk about sweet music to your ears? Coming from the lips of our little children. 
they were crying out, you can trust the promises of God. Oh, no matter, never, never once has he forgotten. Each one, however big or small, you can trust the promise of God. Oh, brothers and sisters, we as adults would do well to remember and to dwell on that wonderful truth. God always keeps his promise. The blessings that God bestows upon us are to fulfill his plan and his promise for us. And you know what? You know what that promise is that God gives to us? It's not a promise of, of health and wealth. It's not a, prop, a, a promise of an easy life with no setbacks and only promotion. No, the promise that God makes to us is that he is going to get us home. Perfected. Spotless. And without blemish. That no matter how dire the situation is around us, if God has promised to preserve us, he is going to preserve us. All the good, all the bad is working. If you are in Christ, it is working toward an end. And that end is a blessed life with God in eternity. Hmm. You ever wonder what the, what the blessings are about? That's what they're about. That is what the various blessings are for. And there are two, two obvious blessings that we often overlook. Simply because we think that the, the blessings are just simply material things. But there are two really critical blessings that that God gives to us, and, but we just, we just quickly overlook them. It's the word. The blessing of the word of God, the scriptures. The one, Peter, who, that Peter talks about in his, in his letter. The, the one, here's Peter, who, who walked and talked with Jesus. Right before this, he says that I was on the Mount of Transfiguration, I saw Jesus changed. And I heard a voice from heaven speak. And you know what Peter says? We have a surer thing. <laughs> we have a better thing. And that's the word of God. Christ, brothers and sisters, has not left us without nourishment. It is a blessing. It is a blessing in the midst of this famine-stricken world, in a, in a world that is hungry for, thru, for truth, thirsty for, for righteousness and justice. We have the Word of God that feeds us and that satisfies us. We are given this blessing, this goodness, to help preserve us, to form and to to, to fashion us so that we be ready for eternity. Oh, James 1.21 says, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with 
meekness, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. It's the word. It's the word. It's the word that is working in us, forming and fashioning us, so that when we stand before our creator, he says, oh yeah, you're pure. Come on in. Come on into my presence. Oh, I, I do hope you see God's word as him caring for us. He has not left us without a means to get us home. But God doesn't just bless us with his word as a, as a means to fulfill his plan. He blesses us with his people. Other one we, we quickly overlook. God's people are his blessing to us. They are his blessing to us. They are part of the means that he uses to preserve us, to keep the, the promise that he has made to us. This is where Hebrews 10 and 24 and verse 25 are, are so important for us to, to remember and to dwell on. And it says, let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day Judgment Day, the day when we will stand before the Creator as, as often as you see that day appearing. Oh, I know. I know it's hard to believe that your Christian and, and brother or sister who rubbed you the wrong way, I know it's hard to believe that that, that, that person who has offended you is actually a blessing. The fact is, he or she is good for you. Good for you. Listen, the, the people in this church, the, the people in this fellowship, the, the people whom you have partnered with here are part of God's plan to get you home. You, you want to know why you're at this church? <laughs> You, you ever sit here wondering, Lord, why did you put me in, in, this, in, in this church? God put you here so that we could help one another get home. <laughs> now, now, now go be a blessing. Brothers and sisters, the Lord has given us good things, blessings, according to his plan to help get us home, his, his word and his his people, the good things, the blessings that we have in this life are working toward a grand plan, eternal blessedness with our God. God sent Joseph into Egypt to be a blessing for his, his family. In the midst of a famine, they are well cared for. They, they have grain, they have cattle, they have everything they need. They are not lacking for anything. And that was all according to the plan of God, so that he might make them into a great nation, so that they would be a blessing. Okay, Joseph blesses his family, 
to preserve them by faithfully caring for them. But God also sent him there so that he would be a blessing to the nations. So that he would be a blessing to the nations. The promise was that all the nations would be blessed through Abraham's seed. So while Jacob, back in Egypt now, while Jacob and his family are living in abundance, having all of their needs met, the, the rest of Egypt and Canaan are experiencing a severe famine. We read this in verse 13. Now there was no food in all the land, for the famine was very severe, so that the land of Egypt and of Canaan languish by reason of the famine. If, if the famine had been bad before, it, it was now dire. It was dire. Food had been scarce up to this point, but before they could, could, could grow crops because they had seeds and, and grain. And if they ran out of seeds and grain or if they ran out of food, they, they could go to Joseph and purchase the food that he had stored up for the seven years of abundance. But now, the people of Egypt and Canaan were in a bad place. They were in a, they were in a rough place. We, we know that because of what it says in our text. Over and over and over again, it says that, that they had come to the end of their food. That they had come to the end of their money. They had nothing left. If things remained as such, if, if the situation was going to continue like this, they realized that their end was death. All of Egypt and Canaan were in danger of losing their lives, and there was only one place they could turn for help. There was one, only one, who could save them. Joseph had been sent to Egypt to be a blessing, not just to his family, but to the nations. The plan plan that had won the approval of Pharaoh chapters before, right? That he would store up grain during the time of abundance to, to, to accommodate for the seven years of, of famine. This plan was now coming to fruition. Since the Egyptians had run out of money, Joseph using his wise diplomatic skills, that which the Lord had blessed them with, set up an agreement with the people. First, he, he trades their livestock for food. And, and, and when the people have again run out of food, Joseph buys all of the land in Egypt and gives them grain so that they can farm the land. But but now that the land belongs to Pharaoh because Joseph bought it and he works for the government, it's now government-owned land, Joseph sets up an agreement. He says, well, you can, you can keep the land. I'm going to give you the grain. 
you farm the land, but when a harvest comes, you can keep a portion of the harvest for yourself, but one-fifth you got to give back to Pharaoh. This, this was the agreement. Now, many of you might say, uh, <laughs> wait a second, that, don't, that doesn't sound fair, <laughs> right? It sounds like, it doesn't sound like a blessing. They have to They have to sell their land in order to eat, in order to to survive. They've got to sell their land, become servants of Pharaoh, and give some of the portion of what they harvest back to him. That sounds like maybe Joseph is taking advantage of these people. Is that, that what's going on here? Well, not according to the Egyptians. Listen to how they respond to this agreement. In verse 25, they say to Joseph, you have saved our lives. You have, this agreement, you have saved our lives. According to the Egyptians, this wasn't extortion. This wasn't being taken advantage of. This was salvation. Their very lives had been saved. Oh, Joseph was not just a blessing to his family. He was a blessing to the nations. God had appointed him and equipped him with the ability to carry out this plan. God sent him into Egypt And as Joseph blesses his family and the nations, what he is ultimately pointing to, what he is foreshadowing is what ultimately Jesus was going to do. That Jesus was going to come and be a blessing first to his people and then to the nations. That salvation through Jesus would come to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. Oh, that is God's grand plan, brothers and sisters. The promised offspring of Abraham that we read about in Genesis 12 wasn't Joseph. The promised king from the loins of Jacob wasn't ultimately him either. The promised offspring of of, of Abraham was Jesus. This is what Galatians 3 and 16 tells us. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring who is Christ. Oh, Jesus. Jesus was sent into the world to be a blessing, appointed to bring salvation first to his own, uh, the Jews, and then to the Gentiles. And you know what? Salvation is found in only him alone. Back back in Egypt, the Egyptians and the Canaanites had nowhere else to turn. If they were going to escape death, they had to flee 
to Joseph, who was their only hope. They had run out of all of the means they had available to save their lives. They needed someone to save them. And there was Joseph, fully, fully supplied to meet all of their needs. Brothers and sisters, like Joseph, Jesus is the only hope for a world that is languishing. If you are going to escape death in this world, there is only one way. You only have one option. I tell you this morning that you ought to flee to the king. And let him, let him know. Let him know that you have no more money. Let him know that you have nothing left. Let him know that you are hungry and that if you don't get fed, you are going to die. And you know what you will hear? You will hear Isaiah 55. Come, come everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Oh, that's what the Savior says. That's what Jesus says. When you finally realize that nothing you have, nothing you have can save yourself, Oh, you realize that there is only one hope, Jesus. And when you come to him, he's not going to tax you. He's going to say, come, buy, eat without money, without price. Brothers and sisters, Jesus was sent to be a blessing. That was the plan of God from the very beginning that he would be the offspring who was blessed and bring a blessing to the nations. I, I, I don't think I need to check um, uh, birth certificates or do an Ancestry.com search, but I think we are part of those Gentiles that received the blessing because Jesus came as a blessing, to be a blessing to the nations of which we are part. Oh, what a, what a great and awesome God we serve. Let's pray.